Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast where we fight for our right to go through the drive-thru. Brian Christofferson promises an interesting story to get this Thursday podcast kicked off. No, I didn't, I didn't say it was interesting. I was about to tell you off air and then you told me to Bruns was like, wait, 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 this is gold. We're going to save it. It's not gold. But yeah, I was going to Runza and a big, I was going at the normal speed limit about to turn into the Runza drive-through and this truck from the other side just is flying and cuts me off and our windows are both open because it's a beautiful day. So I, after we get positioned and he's in front of me, I yell at him, uh, congrats on your win. And, uh, <laughs> He yells back, gotta be faster. So it's getting a little testy out there with this, uh, with this virus. It has everybody a little, little off kilter, I think. All right, so now, now admit, you have a new vehicle. Have you been driving it slow because you're worried about, are you actually kind of in the wrong here, Brian? No, 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 no. I would, anybody who was watching would have said that I had the right to go first, and he like cut me off as I was starting to make my turn so uh, I uh, relented because I was like, well, this isn't worth, you know, busting up my vehicle over. Although I was, I was kind of ticked off. Um, and so I yelled at him a little bit and he yelled back and I don't endorse that behavior, but it was kind of his fault. So if you, if you had the Corolla, would you have really gone after it? Like, would you have just gone in there and like pit maneuvered his ass and, and taken, uh, t- taken the, the first spot in the drive through I might have got a little more days of thunder with it, yeah. Well, with the Corolla, I mean, and, and he's in the wrong, as you say, that if any damage to your vehicle would be his, uh, you know. Yeah, so it would be a smart play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was it was Tom Cruise in days of thunder? He was. Yes. Didn't he drive like a Chevy Illumina? <laughs> Wasn't that his, like, vehicle or something? That, that sounds accurate. We should ask Ryan Held. He's a big days of thunder guy. Is he? Okay. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Anyhow. So that was the, that's how it ended. You guys just kind of jawed at each other a little bit, and then <laughs> went, went and got went and got. Then we, ro- then we rolled up our window. No, it, yeah, that was. It. I mean, never yelled another person at a vehicle because you never know what they're going to do these days. But um, yeah, it it ended there with him just saying that I have to be faster. You had like a base. It was like a baseball brawl. Like there was some 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 jostling, a little pushing and shoving, some words exchanged, but nothing actually happened. Is that is that fair to say? It was it was very much like a North High cafeteria fight when I was in high school, where the guys circle each other and they kind of put their their shoulder up against each other like they're gonna go, and they're like, "Man, say one more thing, say one more thing," <laughs> and no, no no one ever says one more thing until eventually the the principal breaks it up and both guys are happy. How how often would you say you've yelled at another vehicle? Uh, I have some. I have a little bit of road rage I have to deal with sometimes. I mean, not that they've heard me, but I've definitely in my vehicle with my windows up said some things. Oh, that's, um, that's totally heard. different. I mean, yelling where um, you know they're going to hear you. Um, I don't know. I, did, or I've, probably, uh, I've probably flipped a bird or two and yelled a couple things. You're a bird flipper? I've done it a couple times. You, you go both du- the double bird? <laughs> yeah, I was, that was the next question. I'm talking about my entire life, not like in the last year. I've changed some things, but I, I've, I have definitely <laughs> flipped, the, I've flipped a bird uh to somebody before i know that have you guys never flipped a bird to somebody 
I generally don't when driving. Um, and it's not like a go-to move for me in any regard. But, <laughs> I mean, I, I've flipped a bird in my life. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I have. Okay. But it, it's not like a – I'm more likely to just swear at them in the safety of my own vehicle than I am anything else. If it gets ever, real bad, I'll lay on the horn. You ever try the move where you kind of smile at them? Because it just like ticks them, it ticks somebody off more if you kind of give them just like a nod or something, you know, it's kind of pleasant. And then you throw in a thumbs up. <laughs> yeah. Which is like the reverse bird, but might be more <laughs> devastating in some ways. Yeah. That's still, that's the equivalent of a bird pretty much. I've sarcastically clapped at a car before. <laughs> I've definitely done that. You, you, Whether you they bro- knew that it was sarcastic or not, I don't know. You, you Bronx cheered them. Is that what we're going to call it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've definitely done that. It's like when Nebraska basketball made a free throw. Uh, <laughs> like, that same kind of idea. Yeah, uh, I, I've definitely, definitely done that. So, All right, well, we're, we're happy you're safe. We're happy you're with us. And you got um, your runs up. Yeah, I got a burger. It wasn't that, it wasn't that big a deal, but uh, yeah. We, Did you we get some a, Frinks? I, I went with just the fries. Okay. Just out on Frings now? You invented them. I would think that you'd continue to, to, no, I, to really kind of push it. No, I like the Frings. Uh, but uh, you never know how many rings you're going to get in there. Sometimes you get like two rings if, it's not, if someone's not doing their job in the back end. <laughs> when you invented Frings, did you, did you specify <laughs> how many onion rings should be in the – Where are you saying I never invented Frings? <laughs> I never claimed that. that. No, I, I think that you have. That it's I just, invented Frings. Yes. <laughs> okay. You're going to have to bring that audio up. I'll look for it. But have <laughs> you, uh, when you were working at Runzo, was there like a, a random amount that was supposed to be? What's the Runzo yeah. ratio? I think, don't you feel like you should get about eight to nine onion rings in a thing of Frings? Wow, I like That's you as a, a lot ring. of onion rings. I like yeah. you as a ring guy. Is that too many? Feels high. Feels high. Well, then you're <laughs> you're getting a lot less fries in that case, right? Um, I don't know. Uh, I would suppose what I guess if you put like six onion rings in there in a medium fry, that you need would eighteen fr- fries. I want a three to one ratio. Okay. Yeah, that'd probably be about about right. Eight to nine would be a, a generous. It'd, it'd be where you throw one more in the bag for the person. That's kind of – that was always a nice gesture. <laughs> this is a ring in the bag guy. You, you just know certain customers deserve an, an extra ring in the bag. <laughs> it's like, oh, Brian's working today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway, about that well, NFL draft. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, is, uh, it is the NFL draft, which is the, the biggest sports happening in the world since we don't know – KBO preseason is still going on. And, Brutz, have you still been paying attention to Taiwanese baseball? I have. The Brothers Elephants are going to start having English language broadcasts very soon, which uh, means that 40% of the uh, Chinese Professional Baseball League will have English language play-by-play. So get excited for that. I, I have no reason to not be excited about it. I couldn't tell you who the best Brothers Elephant is in history. Uh, but I assume that he's quite qualified for that position. That's your team? Uh, well, I mean, it, it, it's the one that I, f- I follow most, that and the Rakuten Monkeys, because they were the only other ones that had uh, English-language yeah. broadcast. But 
the monkeys have quite the following in the Nebraska media right now. Yeah, their bullpen's trash though. A lot of Walter White gifs <laughs> in their future. Yeah, like wake up in the morning at, at six and those guys are trying to protect a lead. It's like I don't need that kind of stress in my morning. Anyways, <laughs> speaking of NFL draft, it's, it starts tonight. <laughs> and uh, Who's going? Well, uh, well, there's some breaking draft news. Apparently Todd McShay has coronavirus. Um, that's, that's the first uh, piece of news from the podcast today but oh. uh secondly uh several nebraska draft hopefuls will be hoping to hear their name this weekend lamar jackson khalil davis darian daniels carlos davis maybe on the fringe um what do you guys think how many how many nebraska players get selected if i put the line at two and a half where are you going under i'm going I'll under say- and I'll say two, two, two. Yeah, two. I say two. Khalil Davis and Lamar Jackson. Yes. How early does Lamar Jackson get selected in this NFL draft? Friday night, nine forty-seven. You think he's a second day guy? Wow. I think that he is the end of the third round guy. Wow. Why? He's big. People, if you're gonna in a draft in which there's a lot of cornerbacks, one of the things that can separate him is his size. I mean, we know he's a good athlete. We know he can move pretty well at that size. And you get teams that if you're going to take a chance on a, on a defensive back that isn't a first-round guy, you're going to want something that stands out about him. And I think Lamar Jackson's size is going to help him. I really do. Is he physical enough? As a, In press coverage, yes. In run support, I don't know. Um, you know, so that's – that's going to be a big question. But if you want a guy that's going to go out and press your number one wide receiver, uh, I think he can absolutely do that. I mean, I don't think he's going to have anywhere near the career that Xavier Rhodes had before he fell off the earth. But he was very, very good as a big physical corner at just taking away receivers by just beating them up. That's what Lamar Jackson has to play like. I don't think he's going to have, again, that upside. But Xavier Rhodes is also an excellent tackler. Lamar Jackson, I don't think, has that distinction yet. But he's someone that a team is going to gamble on because that size is going to stand out. I mean, Stanley John Baptiste went in the second round. Don't forget that. Yeah, it's it's interesting looking at mock drafts um, this year with with this group of Nebraska players because, you know, you you go back to January and you had – well, even before that, I mean, during the season, Lamar Jackson was, you know, a first-round pick according to one CBS mock draft, which was a little bit uh, surprising. But, you know, kind of where those guys – where Lamar Jackson is viewed by a lot of guys in, in mock drafts and, and same with Khalil Davis, it seems like either of those guys, if the fit is right, they have the chance to go a little bit higher than maybe what you'd think. I, I think both of those guys are likely day early day three guys. Um, but I mean, we've seen mock drafts where Khalil Davis goes in the third round. Um, same with Lamar Jackson. I've seen some mock drafts where Lamar Jackson's been as, uh, as late as the seventh round. Um, so it's interesting to kind of see what people are making of this group because you had Khalil Davis go out and run just a blistering 40 time. Uh, he's still at, at 315 pounds, can do a standing backflip. 
Uh, he's played in a 3-4. He's played in a 4-3. And I, I think if, if there's a fit there, I could see him going a little bit higher than maybe what uh, you know some people would expect, especially if, if a, a team has evaluated him really well. Because I think he is flying under the radar, has always kind of flown under the radar. Heck, he's, he's probably, up until this year, been – if you're being honest about it, the second of the two twins um, in terms of kind of how they're thought. So I think those guys could be higher, but I, I, my, my, I could go with three guys getting picked with those two plus Darian Daniels. And I, I think Alex Davis and I, I think that uh, Carlos Davis are both going to have chances, you know, are, are going to be coveted free agents, um, you know, w- w- when the draft is over with. I'll say, uh, I'll say Khalil goes first of the Huskers. I think uh, fifth round, uh, I've had trouble picking where Lamar Jackson's going to go. Like Schaefer says, I mean, maybe he's a late day two guy. Um, And as you mentioned, some people have him all the way to the seventh. I'll settle like sixth round. So I'm going to say Khalil fifth round, Lamar Jackson sixth round. And then I agree that I think Darian, Darian Daniels, I think is a fringe guy. Um, just because of that size, and there's going to be some people look at and say, "Well, that we could do something with that in a certain scheme." Um, so Darian Daniels, uh, Carlos, you're, will be very coveted as a free agent because people will see the same traits they see in Khalil, um, maybe just to a slightly lesser extent. Um, and then who else? Who else is a free agent? You mentioned Mo, Mo Berry is going to. I think we'll get a tryout with somebody, you know, and. Alex a Davis of, was one that I mentioned. Yeah, and there might – I'm trying to think if we're leaving anybody else off who will get at least a crack with the team, but um, that that's kind of it. And then when you spin it forward to next year, which I know we're going to do, I think it gets a lot more exciting. Do you – am I wrong in the Alex Davis thing? I know that NFL draft guru um, Gil Brandt tweeted that the times that he put together at Nebraska's pro day, his size and versatility probably put him on, on radars for teams as a free agent. And maybe he wasn't there before. And he's an interesting case too, because in, in some ways I feel like he leaves Nebraska and, and kind of the way he came in with, you know, this is a guy that's played some football, not a ton. Um, he's been moved around and, you know, if he, if a team sees those times and at that size, I mean, I think maybe you just take a flyer on him just to see what he can potentially do for you. Yeah, and he could just be one of those guys that maybe the best football is still ahead for him because he hasn't quite scratched the surface of his athletic ability. You know, he bounced around positions here. He bounced around position coaches. Uh, I don't think that he had some moments where it looked like you could see some real potential as both a pass rusher and just as a defensive player in general. Uh, But I I think when we get hung up on why Nebraska hasn't had first-round picks, one of the things is they just haven't had genetic freaks. And someone is going to bet on the athleticism of Alex Davis as an undrafted free agent. I mean, the production isn't necessarily there, but he's got a good frame. He moves well for his size. He put up good pro day numbers. And there's – I just feel like we see that in the NFL. Like someone bet on the athleticism, the Dallas Cowboys bet on the athleticism of Luke Gifford, and he's going to be a practice squad player for him and a potential guy that could be more than that. So I I think in a weird way, Nebraska, even though their draft streak came to an end, 
and really had been holding on by a thread. We have seen that they have had a fair amount of guys that have had success in the NFL, far more than you would have guessed just initially based off what they had done at Nebraska. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if Alex Davis is signed. Uh, I said I have Lamar going at the end of day two. I mean, I, I kind of think the range for him is mid to late third round to early fifth round. Like, it's going to be in there. It's just going to be, is there a team that likes him more and they like his size and they want to take that chance? I mean, you also have your, your compensatory picks in there at some point, and teams use those to kind of take a risk on, on somebody who isn't a complete player but has some upside. That's right in that time period. So I, that's kind of why I see him going there, but I could be wrong. I mean, I thought Stanley Morgan was going to get drafted last year, and that didn't happen. So, uh, you know, it's a crapshoot. And a lot of it is just, is there a guy that teams like more than others? And does it line up with the the needs and the draft position and, and everything else? So with Khalil Davis, I think that he's more likely on the back end of the draft, you know, fifth to seventh, because he just – he isn't physically as gifted as what you're going to see from other defensive linemen in terms of just sheer size. His speed is remarkable, but what does that mean in terms of an NFL game? I don't know. Like, I have questions as to whether he could be a 3-4 defensive end in the NFL. I think he's more likely a 4-3 defensive tackle. Um, and, you know, we'll see what that does for him. But uh, I just – I can't imagine a team like the, the Houston Texans taking him and then and, and he's like a backup or something for J.J. Watt because the size difference of what, what NFL 3-4 defensive ends are and, and the total height of Khalil Davis is just two different things. So I have a little apprehension there for him because I think he's just more specialized in a 4-3 role. Darian Daniels, I think it was Brian that mentioned this. Um, again, I, he's not as big size-wise tall as what you've seen a lot of defensive tackles lately, but he's someone I think would be a pretty valuable undrafted free agent um, and, and will get an opportunity that way. Carlos Davis, my biggest question there is if he doesn't get drafted, does he try to sign with the same team as Khalil so they can keep that thing going? I mean, they've, pretty impressive. You, got, you played in college, you played in high school. Maybe they can get the opportunity to do it in the pros. Daniels is interesting too because he he slimmed way down. Like he's down to like three, I think like around three hundred and fifteen pounds when he was playing at three thirty, three thirty, three forty last year. So I mean, maybe that makes him an option as a as a defensive end too in, in some schemes. I mean, maybe a really heavy uh, defensive end, but um, that I mean, that's where I could see him maybe sneaking in somewhere late, but. Um, yeah, that's kind of where it is. Do you, should we spin it forward to 2021? Yeah. So so this time next year, who are we talking about? Brendan Hymas. How early? Well, with offensive linemen being really coveted, and if he, he really cashes in on the kind of talent that I think he has, I think you could be talking about a day two guy, you know, in that second, third round mix. I mean, he's he's got the size. He has – four years of film that people are going to be able to, to watch and, and dissect. And he's going to have the tutelage too. He's going to have three years of Greg Austin who coached in the NFL. I mean, I, I really think that Brandon Hymas is going to blossom into being a, a very good player for Nebraska. I'm expecting an all conference type offensive line season for Brandon Hymas. So with all of that being said, I expect him to go fairly high because offensive linemen are, as Brian and I know, 
as Vikings fans, always in demand. And there's guys that are flying up the draft board just simply because offensive linemen in some years is weak and some years is strong. And this year is kind of a weak year for offensive linemen. So guys taken at the end of the first round might not have been taken till the third round in previous years. So I, I just think because of the position he plays, the fact he can be a tackle, he could slide into guard. I think Brendan Hymas will go fairly high in the 2021 draft. Yeah, I think Hymas is the guy who can hopefully help change uh, this drought that has been going on of Nebraska linemen getting drafted. Now there's been all linemen who have gotten in the league and done some things like Searles and Quali and stuff through free agency. But it is important, I think, that you start to see some of those guys in the trenches go by at least the second day. And I agree with Schaefer. I think Kymus, with a good year uh, in his final season at Nebraska, is probably second, third-round type talent. Um, I think Matt Farniak could get drafted if he has a good year. Um, Deontay Williams on the defensive side of the ball, it's kind of weird to say his name because we didn't even get to see him last year. And so we're kind of basing it off of practice talk and all this stuff. But I, I have to believe the coaches to some degree when they talk about their top talent on the roster. I think everybody over there would say Deontay Williams is one of the most talented guys they have. He just needs a healthy season. So I could see where he's a draft pick. Um, you know, Ben, I don't know what Ben Stilley is going to be an interesting guy to watch this year and what he gets done. And if he, he looks like he'd be himself or something. I mean, just from yeah. the physical size, I mean, if you gave Khalil Davis Ben Stilley's size and you retain that speed, I mean, you'd be talking about a special defensive lineman right there. So I think all four of those guys, and then there's other people who are type kind of fringe guys who will get a crack, like a Bo Wilson guy will, you know, could be a free agent. Uh, Colin Miller, Will Honus type guys could be free agents. Um, uh, you know, a lot of this depends what happens their senior year. You got, you know, Diedrich Mills, Jack Stoll, uh, you know, Bruce. Right, you maybe. mentioned Jack Stoll. <laughs> That's enough. I'm a big Jack Stoll fan. Um, <laughs> I heard from people last week that we got after you a little bit too much, that they thought it was unfair. You weren't prepared for it. Really? Yeah. They thought I was flustered, like flustered like I was in a drive-thru line or something. <laughs> they just thought that it, it was like an avalanche and you just got buried a little bit. Well, anyway, I do like Jack Stoll, and I think he's going to have a crack at it. But my point is you could go through like nine or ten guys uh, from this senior class who they'll at least be on the radar screen. So that'll be – I think it'll be more exciting. Matt, Matt Forniak is interesting to me because I, I feel like if he – does indeed play guard this year. And if he plays as, as well as I, I think he can at that spot, I mean, it, yes, it's one year. I mean, there's going to be some learning curve there, but I mean, that that's a more natural position um, to me for him than, than tackle. And I think he's, he's the guy most in that class that I think has a chance to really kind of climb into that conversation. I mean, it, you're a brother of, of other guys that were pretty good offensive linemen too. I think that probably the name helps you a little bit, but I, I feel like he's a guy that behind Hymas, uh, you really have a, a shot at, you know, getting, getting picked and really being in that conversation with a strong year. I was just actually just looking at uh, with the conversation of offensive linemen drafted 
um, from Nebraska in the last 20 years, they've had 11 offensive linemen drafted. Um, How many can you name? Brian. <laughs> What's that? That were drafted? Yeah. yeah. Oh, not a lot right now. My brain isn't thinking about it. Um, okay, they're actually picked. And, and what was the time frame you said? From two, the 2001 draft to, 2000, to, to present day. Okay. Um, the most recent is Alex Lewis. Was that's correct? When was Riola in the when was Riola in the program? Two thousand one, he, he was drafted. So he counts. Yep. Finotti. Um, Finotti. Yep. Um, uh, Leiden Murtha. Yep. Yep. The Carl Nix. Yes. Who lived across from me at the View in Lincoln. Nice guy. Got kicked off the team, more or less. Or he yeah, wasn't he was. allowed to attend pro day, right? <laughs> yeah. That's what it was. Um, and he ended up going to the NFL anyways. So. Um, All right. Who else is in there, Browns? So what I, I can't remember if, like, Brent – was Brent Qualley drafted? No, he's, he's a fr- free agent. Yeah. You guys, you guys still had Spencer Long. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's Russ Hochstein. Hochstein. He was in yeah. 2001. Rayola, Finotti, Josh Sewell was picked in 2004 by the Broncos, never played a pro game. Uh, Carl Nix, Leiden Murtha, Matt Slauson, who has – Wasn't he a seventh-round pick? He was a sixth-rounder and played in 113 He had a good career. Yeah. The Jets, right? And the Bears. Jets, Bears, and Chargers. Yeah, I just meant the Jets were who took him, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yep. Keith Williams. Yep. Mm-hmm. Marcel Jones was a seventh-round pick to the Saints. Yeah. And then Spencer Long and Alex Lewis. Those are your uh, your, your 11. They've had four guys go earlier than the fifth round in 20 years. Finotti, Rayola, Spencer Long, and Alex Lewis. Spencer Long. Four guys, to be honest. Spencer Long, who arrived as a tight end, if I remember correctly. Yes. Yep. And, yeah, those guys have actually put together – Decent career. I mean, Carl Nix played 70 games. Rayola played 200 and th- or 219. Uh, Slauson played 113. Carl Nix would have played more. If you remember, he was one of the guys that had his career ended because of the Tampa Bay Bucks staff infection, mm-hmm. the MRSA issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he had signed a massive contract extension, at yeah. least massive for interior offensive line. Yeah. It's kind of sad. Yeah, so that's your, well, that's your crew. Quali's done a nice job um, as a free agent, uh, you know, hanging around and finding a niche spot. Yeah, well, with him, Searles, Long, and I mean, that, that's three guys. Stir up, stir up guys that, uh, you know, have played significant Nick games Gates. or gotten a cup of coffee. You just want to start to see some of these guys, like, factoring in on day one day two I mean that's what it, Nebraska needs to start to get that pub and uh that that's what's kind of been lacking for the most part in most of those cases well and Nebraska needs to be able to promote players that aren't Levante David and Sue I mean you got guys that are in their 30s now and you need to be able to promote some NFL players that are younger than that and they, they just can't because as nice as the careers are from these other individuals it's not like they're you know, you're not going to send a picture of 
Zach Sterup to a kid that you're recruiting out of Miami to play offensive line, even though he played for the Dolphins. So it's a, it's a deal where they need to be able to develop and have guys go in and have success in the NFL, and then they can harken back to that when they're recruiting. And people can say what they want about Iowa around here, but you have to say Iowa in the last several years, they constantly have in, some interesting guys at the top, or especially in the trenches, and then you throw in Noah Fant and all that. Uh, I mean, Nebraska's got to get more, more of that going. How many would you guys guess over that same period that Wisconsin's had? Hmm. Do you know the answer? I do. Okay. So it was 11 for Nebraska? 11 for Nebraska. Uh, put me down for 26. I count. Oh, BC, go ahead. It, uh, yeah, I mean, t- t- 23. I count 20 uh, over that that uh, time period, according to uh, Pro Football Reference. One, two, three, four. With six first-round picks, three second-round picks, and four third-round picks during that time. Yeah. So, a little ways well, to go for Nebraska. Is there uh, – does the wheel need spun, or did you not have – is the wheel around? Wheel's around. Well, we got to take a break. The it wheel goes. has to wait. We need to we need to pay the bills. So when we come back, we'll get the wheel out. Brunts will probably uh, give it a spin now. He's so strong, it'll spin all the way through the break. And uh, after that, we'll see what the topic is for us. So eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential, and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back, and as I suspected, Brunt's showing off the muscles that he has formed during this quarantine by throwing and catching his uh, toddler every day. 65 times in the air, has not dropped her once. And uh, is it still spinning? It's still going. Wow. Uh, oh, stopped. So we talked about – It went from still going to just stopped abruptly. Yeah. This wheel is so fascinating to me all the time. It is. Uh, so we talked about the Chinese Professional Baseball League uh, <laughs> in, in the opening segment. What a topic. Yeah. 
So obviously with the lack of sports right now, I'm curious to see or to hear and the wheel is as well. This is a long question. How, where do you draw the line for like any kind of like competitive athletic thing that you would, you'd say like, I will watch up to this point, but I will not watch that sport. Uh, fair question. That was all on the wheel, huh? On that tiny, little tiny, tiny, tiny little <laughs> etchings. What's, um, what's your what's your your uh, point of no return? That, that you I would not watch. I would not watch baseball in Taiwan. Um, I I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't watch the XFL. I never watch the XFL. I don't know. There's like a cutoff point. I need. What I need is atmosphere. That's a big part of my answer to this question. I need a, a surrounding atmosphere around whatever the sport is, and you can maybe convince me if there's something happening around it and the setting is um, kind of appealing that I'll take part in it. I will also watch weird sports where country pride is on the line, like during the Olympics. I'll watch stuff that I would not otherwise watch, like curling or something, because it's like – I. You know, we, we, our, our U.S. curlers got to beat, beat the, you know, the Chinese team or whatever it is. Um, I, I, will, I will get into it because of national, for national reasons. So if you're, if you're all in on atmosphere, are you, d- does the potential for sports without fans in the stands, d- does that sit, sit wrong with you? I think it's going to hurt some, but um, there's a there's a few sports where I can make exceptions to that. Major League Baseball, because I just I'm so into it already. Um, I feel like college football, basketball, um, and the NFL, I can do that too. Where I just am so like deep into it, I can I'll be so excited to just see it that I can probably make do for one season without that surrounding um noise but it's it's going to be different and it's not going to be as fun um the only thing that's going to elevate it is because we're so desperate for it i think would you be okay with them piping in crowd noise yeah i think so what do you think well that's what i was sorry i I wonder about that because you're like if if you're not going to have college football with with fans like are, are you going to have some kind of like fake crowd noise because I, I, I think it would be it would be fine to watch on TV, I guess, if, if it's mic'd up pretty well in the field, but I just feel like it, yeah, I just feel like it would be lacking a little bit. Vikings twins have been known to pump in a little fake crowd noise in the old dome, but Schaefer? I would be out on the fake crowd noise because it would make me think of like a laugh track from television shows and i generally don't care for those and find them distracting in a lot of ways he wants a Um, news radio situation yeah yeah so (laughs) i think i'm i think i'd be out on the fake crowd noise i was trying to think of where i draw the line with with sports specifically i i was invited uh to to become a part of a competitive marble racing league and i passed on that uh in which there are marble races shown nightly I just it didn't seem like the kind of thing I really wanted to invest and spend my time in. Um, I, you know, I, I've watched a Madden simulation in which the Vikings blew it against the Packers earlier during this uh, 
this shutdown of sports. I watched. Anything? What was that? Did you throw anything when it happened? Uh, well, I had gambled on it, so I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't pleased with the outcome. Um, so there's that. My my fantasy baseball league. The commissioner has taken everybody's team and put them on major league baseball teams, and is just playing the games throughout the season, like computer versus computer, uh, for a season, and is showing it on Twitch throughout the day. So I will have that on in the background sometimes where uh, my pirates that I have are, are doing quite well. Uh, so I, I, I will watch some weird stuff. I guess marble racing seems to be the thing where I was out on. But I, I, would, watch the, I would watch some <laughs> innings of Taiwanese baseball. The, the thing for me with sports is always I have to have some sort of investment into it. Either that's we're talking gambling, which is generally what brings me into some of these things, or we're talking about like an emotional connection to it, but um, I, I I just uh, I, I think uh, the curiosity of a lot of stuff I would watch. But the thing is, would I watch more than once? That I don't know. I watched the XFL the opening weekend and never watched it again. Um, you know, you're a I big Hot Shots fan. I watched the AAF and I, I got so into the AAF that when it shut down, I I just didn't know if I could handle it. Getting into another uh, failing football league again, so. Uh, it's a tough question to answer because I, I think I'm willing to watch a lot. Like one of the things that I kind of wish was happening is that someone would just open up the, the vault of the old American gladiators episodes. And I would watch that every morning, bring that back. You know, I, I think ESPN used to, to televise it. USA network has the rights to it. Like someone make that happen. I want to watch, you know, what blaze and ice and all of these people uh, do their things. So I, I would prefer that over some of these other things. I didn't watch Horse. That sounded dumb. Um, I have not watched the NBA 2K thing. That also didn't seem particularly interesting to me. I wanted to ask this, though, before we go. What did you guys think of The Last Dance? You're both older than I am. You have stronger feelings on Michael Jordan than I do. <laughs> um, what uh, nice what did you think of the, uh, the first two episodes of that? Uh... Go, Burns. Go ahead. Uh, Not all but, at once. Well, before I answer, I was going to say, with in addition to American Gladiators, I would take some Slam Ball. Did you ever watch Slam Ball late at night? Is that the trampoline one that was on yeah. TNN? I would yeah. totally watch Slam Ball. You, you didn't sound excited. Well, I want Roller Derby to come <laughs> back if you ever watch that. Like Roller Jam? Yeah. I like I'd Roller keep, I'd be okay with that. Um, I thought the first – uh, a couple episodes were were pretty good. I like that it's more about the – I feel like it's – Jordan's a centerpiece, obviously. But I feel like it's going to be a good deal about the Bulls as a whole in the 90s, which I appreciate because that's what I really like. I did like Jordan, but I grew to like these kind of misfit characters that were attached to Jordan that you grew to know and love, like B.J. Armstrong and – Bill Wennington and Scott. Did you Williams. like Bill Wennington's goatee? Yes, and and Bill Wennington was good for like two or three like twelve foot jumpers from the baseline where he gets set up a game. Um, and I like that the Bulls would still call him the man in the middle, like like he was like this towering figure. Whether it was uh, Cartwright or uh, Wennington, it, yeah. they would they would really build up the man in the middle. So that to me was kind of the appeal to the Bulls. I don't care about a Jordan LeBron debate, but I did love that team and like how 
it felt like the the little guys were trying to always elevate to win Jordan's favor, you know, to like come through for him. And so that's that's what I enjoyed about the, those teams. Judd Bushler yes. was another guy that was, you know, it, it it is pretty remarkable how those teams were so good and they just had total dorky centers like Cartwright, Luke Longley, Luke Longley, Williams, uh, and when, Charles Oakley, who you would never call dorky, by the no. way. No. No, definitely not. But um, I I really enjoyed it. I it's like appointment television now for me, and and it would be even if there were actual sports going on right now. But I, I uh, I'm curious to see how deep into Jordan's stuff they get. Like how much they're going to talk about the gambling stuff. How much they're going to talk about his dad, um, because yeah, I don't know. And, and it it was fun to to some of the older 80 the, the, the like earlier stuff in his bulls career was kind of fun. Cause you never really see a lot of that stuff. Like you occasionally see like, you know, the, the, the dunk clip, but it, it doesn't really go much before like when he hit that, the game winner over Craig Elo, that's kind of like the start usually for a lot of the, the Jordan highlights that you see a lot nowadays. But, uh, the, the, the story about him going for 63 in the garden was fantastic. I also had forgotten about how great uh, Scottie Pippen's dunk on Patrick Ewing was when he goes over and talks crap to Spike Lee and tells him to sit down. Like, I I don't know. It, it's I, I'm curious to see where it goes, but it was fantastic. Scottie's, Scottie's story is amazing, too. People yeah. like forget all about it. He was a nobody. I mean, he wasn't even on the team at Central Arkansas. And then – two years he grows six inches or whatever and suddenly he's a draft pick and then a great player um that all happened in like a three or four year span um and I think some people I started watching the Bulls when they were coached by Doug Collins in the late 80s and at that time the storyline was that Jordan's a gunner He's surrounded by all these misfits. They can never – they'll never win that way. They're never going to win a championship. I think now it's easy to say, oh, they were going to win all the time. You know, like you jumped on the bandwagon. But when I started rooting for him, he was a great show to watch, but there was a belief that he could never get to the top the way they played. And uh, in some ways it maybe took Phil Jack. Uh, obviously you need a Pippen, but um, Phil Jackson, I think, brought kind of a semblance to things with their triangle offense and stuff, and it uh, it brought uh, less chaos to what they were doing, I think. But I love basketball of that era, not just the Bulls, but I know you, Schaefer, like the Sonics. And, like, just the 90s teams in the West were a lot of fun with the Blazers, the Sonics, the Suns. Uh, the Ni- yeah, and the Knicks in the Rockets. East trying to take down the Bulls were good. So I just really thought that was a great era of basketball. I know some younger people call it like the milkman generation. They act like nobody was good in the league back then. Uh, but uh, I hope that this kind of puts to rest that idea because it wasn't that way. It's funny. There was a, one of the playoff games. I forget which one it was, but the whoever won, I think the Bulls won and they scored like 85 points. And just – to, to think about that now when you've got games that are like easily like into the one thirties, I, I think it's kind of hard for people that, that didn't watch that, that style of basketball to, to really like understand what that's like. Well, and I, I think that it's just, and I don't want to talk about the LeBron Jordan thing either, but it's hard to even compare the style of basketball that was being played during that era. I mean, 
we're over here talking about Luke Longley and these different centers. Like a center now, if you don't have a 18, 20 foot jumper, you're, you're basically worthless in the NBA in a lot of regards. So um, it's just a different version of basketball. I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I definitely, where I pick up Jordan is the year of which he returned. So 1995 and they lost to the magic in the playoffs. And then the next two years, or next three years, they ended up winning the NBA championship. And um, so I, I I obviously had watched all of that. I didn't realize how bad it was behind the scenes. Um, so that is what is sort of the, the tension of everything and the whole concept of Jerry Krause basically making it so this was going to be the last year. It's pretty fascinating. And then also just kind of you read through stuff like as a Sonics fan, the whole conversation about a 1994 trade that would have been Sean Kemp and somebody else for Scottie Pippen. And then thinking about Scottie Pippen and Gary Payton making like the best defensive team of all time with just those two guys uh, would have been pretty fascinating. But that's I, I liked it more than I thought I would. And my biggest fear was it was just going to be this like sort of cult of personality about Michael Jordan, and it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. It seems like it's going to be a lot deeper than that. So, And also, Jerry Krause quickly replacing Carol Baskin as the uh, social media uh, basically most hated person in America it was, was uh, something I was not expecting. I wish, I wish he could, uh, you know, say his piece in it defend himself yeah he passed away what two year, two or three years ago and yeah. obviously um i think he he was a good gm in a lot of ways like how he put it together at first but he wanted to he wanted the credit for it and it became such a thing that he got in his own way and uh but you wish you could hear him say the other side of it just to balance it out all right, well, those were some uh, final thoughts on the last dance of the first two episodes. We got into the draft a little bit today. We got into the wheel. Brunt's had an incredibly long-winded question that he must write very small when he puts onto the wheel. I'm always very impressed by that. But we will have more stuff. We'll have a lot of draft coverage. We'll have some, uh, some different thoughts on things and Nebraska's place in the NFL draft and all of that more over the weekend. And, of course, we'll be back next week with a couple more episodes of the Husker 24-7 podcast. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!